from deep in the heart of the swamp, this is Gator Tales, the official podcast of the Florida Gators. Happy New Year and welcome to Gator Tales. I'm Adam Schick. As we begin the spring semester in 2016, we have a lot in store for you here on the official podcast of the Florida Gators. In the coming weeks and months, we'll venture into gymnastics, softball, lacrosse, baseball, and before you know it, spring football. But right now, it's all about basketball in the Gator Nation, with the men and women both moving into the critical SEC portion of their schedules. With an eye on the start of conference play, Today we'll talk to FloridaGators.com senior writer Chris Harry and women's basketball senior guard Carly Needles. But first, you knew that the University of Florida attracts talent from across the Sunshine State, but did you realize that the reach of the orange and blue extends worldwide? Redshirt sophomore center John Igbunu proves that coming all the way from Nigeria, but first he had a shortstop in Tampa. We asked Big John what he learned in his one season at USF before transferring to UF. Just understanding um, that it's a different level from our high school to college. Um, you have a lot more responsibilities, and you, you know you're being held to a certain standard. And um, for me, that was the biggest thing that I learned. I would say, you know, my freshman year, and also from a basketball standpoint, just understanding how the game works and um, just getting better in those areas. Ultimately, what made you want to transfer to Florida when that decision came time? When I took a visit here, um, I developed a good relationship with Coach Donovan, and. Um, I really liked the campus and um, everything uh, me and Coach Donovan talked about, and um, I liked the guys I met with, and so those were the things that I think influenced my decision to come here. You had to sit out that one year after transferring, so during that year, what did you do? How did you continue to stay engaged, and how did you grow despite not being able to play? Just understanding that um, a sit-out year is, is meant for you, like work on your game, work on areas that you're not really good at, and um, I feel like I kind of took advantage of that. I, I try to develop a post-game, get in better shape, um, change my body, um, try to eat right, and um, help myself get in better shape, and I feel like I kind of accomplished some of those things. What were the toughest parts about adjusting to the culture and becoming a part of this particular team? I feel like for me, it wasn't necessarily tough because um, I feel like my teammates um, showed me a lot of things that opened up to me a lot and they kind of helped me out in that area of understanding the culture and how things worked. And I feel like I give them credit for that because they helped me a lot in that area and they kinda, that kind of cut me out of pace a little faster. When you're out and you're not able to play, obviously you're getting used a lot on scout team. And that's a big part of being a good teammate. So how did you learn about being a teammate more from sitting out maybe than even from playing? Just understanding that it's not it's a team sport. Uh, basketball is a team sport, and it's more than you. And you have to understand that you just gotta do what you can to help the team, you know, in the best possible way. And um, whether it be me um, helping the guys out on the scout team or um, playing now, uh, whatever, I was just I was just willing to just help my teammates get better and um, willing to do my job and do what the coaches asked me to do. Talk about your journey and how you ended up here, coming all the way from Nigeria. Just from playing basketball, um, I went to school. I started off back in Nigeria, and I started playing for a little bit, and uh, I got an opportunity to come down here, and um, I took advantage of it, and uh, I just kept on moving forward, kept on getting better, and uh, I'm here. 
How big is basketball in Nigeria? Is it something that everybody plays, or were you specifically picked out for it because of your size? It's getting bigger. Um, the, the biggest sport that everybody plays back in Nigeria is soccer. But uh, basketball is growing um, a lot now, and uh, people are getting to know more about it. And a lot of people, a lot of young kids growing up are getting involved in it. Did you ever play soccer as well? Yeah, when I was a lot younger, I did play soccer. Uh, I played goalie and um, defensive back. It was fun. I enjoyed it. What made you want to switch to basketball? Uh, I just developed a, a passion for it um, over the time, and um, ever since I started playing it, I just kind of like felt like that was my calling, and I just stuck to it. When you came to the U.S., what was the biggest adjustment about moving to the States? For me, just being away from my family was an adjustment I had to like make, understanding that I had to like grow fast, and um, from a basketball standpoint, just understanding how the pace of the game was, it was a lot faster, and um, so this was some of the adjustments I had to make. I want to talk about your teammates a little bit. What teammate do you think you've learned the most from in your time here? Um, I'll say Brandon Francis, because personally, you know, we had to sit out together. So through doing that, um, we learned a lot from each other because we're always together when the team um, traveled, when it went when it went for away games and things like that. We're always together and we learn a lot from one another. So probably him, but for the most part, I feel like I have I've also learned a lot from the rest of my teammates. I've learned a lot about them, and I feel like they've learned a lot about me as well. So obviously you and Brandon are really close. What do you think works about that relationship? What makes you guys click? I feel like part of it is the fact that we're both from um, different places. We're both now from the United States, and um, we both kind of had a similar journey we had to go through in life, and I feel like that kind of helped us get like closer. Also, like I mentioned earlier, you know, just the fact that, you know, we're always together when the teams went, went away, that brought us closer as well, I feel like. At this stage of the season, you're now full on into the SEC, which means the non-conference slate is in the past. When you look back on that and everything that this team went through, what do you think you learned from it? What did you take away from it? Personally, for me, uh, just understanding that um, it's a different level, coming in every single day and, like, preparation, is, it's, it's big. It's, it's very important, and um, not taking days off or not taking things for granted. Always be thankful and coming in and um, be ready to work every day and always trying to execute what the coaches ask you to do on a daily basis. So that's kind of why I took away from it. When you're on the road, what are the greatest challenges, whether it's the SEC or a non-conference trip to Michigan State? What's the hardest part about going on the road, and how do you overcome that? It's always kind of hard to get yourself going sometimes when you're, when you're on the road. But um, just like I said, the biggest thing is just understanding that you, you can't take things for granted and, like, the preparation is key and very important. So, like, just knowing that at the back of your head will help you overcome that. What has this new coaching staff done in particular to challenge you and try and get you to the next level? Just being on me about being consistent, uh, being the best Johnny Boone I can be, and um, that's kind of what I'm striving myself to be right now. And um, they've helped me a lot in a lot of areas, and I'm, I'm real thankful for that. What areas do you most want to work on with your game? What, what do you look in the film room and say, this is what I've got to get better at? Uh, just everything in general, uh, being in better shape, um, developing a better post move, uh, developing a jump shot. Uh, I, I just got to keep working every day on everything. What players at the next level do you most look up to and want to model your game after? I don't really have a specific player that I do look up to. Um, I enjoy watching all of them. Um, Dwight Howard, uh, the Paul Gasol brothers, dude from the Piston, um, Drummond. Um, I enjoy watching all of them. So, I mean, I don't really have a specific player that kind of model my game afterwards. But I do enjoy watching all of them and now... Um, Whenever I have spare time, I try to watch a lot of basketball and uh, 
just like learn because they're the best at what they do and I just try to like learn from them. As you move forward now into the SEC, what are the keys for this team to keep getting better and improving? Uh, just understanding it's all in the preparation. Um, like coming into practice, having productive days in practice, um, working hard, pushing one another, and uh, just paying attention to the details and um, continuing to grow, becoming men, and um, becoming a mature basketball team. Nothing prepares you for the rigors of conference play better than a tough early season slate. And Mike White's team got that, with challenges as varied as a rivalry trip to Coral Gables and a date with then number one Michigan State in East Lansing. The Gators had their ups and downs throughout the non-conference portion of the year, and we asked FloridaGators.com senior writer Chris Harry what they ultimately learned about themselves in the process. Well, the takeaway is that this team is, is not a very good offensive team right now, but it's a very, very good defensive team, um, one of the best in the country if you go by all the, all the advanced metrics that, that measure such a thing. You know, and they're going to have to win like that probably uh, well into the SEC season until they find a way to make the offense work because right now, after non-conference season, the Gators entered the SEC season with the lowest uh, shooting percentage in the SEC, the lowest free throw percentage in the SEC, and the lowest three-point percentage in the SEC. Now, um, there were some encouraging signs in the Georgia game when they came out and made nine three-pointers. Uh, Kayvon Allen certainly uh, had a breakthrough moment against Florida State when he scored 32 points, followed it up with 18 against Georgia. So those are encouraging signs relative to the offense. So um, maybe some things will start you know, playing out a little bit better on that end of the floor. But I think Mike White can live with really, really good defense, how much the Gators thrive and, and how far they can go and how well they can do in the SEC standings. It's going to be dependent. They're, they're going to have to make more shots, and they're going to have to make more threes, and they're certainly going to have to do better than 62% from the free throw line. We saw the offensive explosion from Kayvon Allen in the Florida State game, and clearly he's got a lot of talent Florida hopes to see more of in the future. Well, I tell you, what he does, Adam, is what he can do. He can go get a shot anytime he wants it. I mean, it doesn't matter what part of the court he's on. He has the ability to put the ball on the floor. I mean, whether it's it's shaking a guy or whether it's just elevating over a guy. I'll tell you what, at the Georgia game, Georgia had cut it to nine inside a minute, and the shot clock was running down. He had a guy on him. He just did a, a couple shakes, a couple shimmies, and just elevated over the guy and bombed a three to put him up 12 with about 50 seconds left. Pretty much iced the game. That's the kind of player he is, and that's what we've been seeing from him in practice for the last uh, couple months and he just kind of really needed a window to, to kind of punch himself through and kind of see it for himself he exhibited success experienced success against florida state getting a shot whenever he want exploding to the basket finishing around the rim and now he's hitting shots he's hitting three pointers so i think it's all a matter of confidence it's all a matter of him playing his game and they are going to try to get Kayvon allen more involved in the offense but the best thing about that is Kayvon allen can involve himself in the offense just about anytime he wants to one thing that seemed to have a big impact on the team is the emergence of Chris Chioza as a starter in that point guard spot. It was at the expense of Casey Hill, but Casey Hill is the one who suggested it, and it seems like he had a pretty good idea. Five games into that, the offense, I think, is, is moving a lot better, and, and as that rotation has evolved, Casey Hill and Chris Chioza are playing a lot together, which gives the Gators a, a very, very fast lineup. But I, I really, I mean, I tell you what, Mike White is really, really pleased with Chris Chioza. He, he's so consistent. He doesn't really seem to get too high, too low. He knows what he's doing. He knows where everyone is on the court. He doesn't make mistakes. Uh, through five games as a starter, you're talking 21 assists 
and two turnovers. I mean, what head coach wouldn't want a turnover ratio like that? So, And also, he leads the team in three-point shooting now. Now, that's something that he really worked on over the offseason, and, and it's paying off. When he gets open looks, he's taking them. So uh, if Chiozic can be a little more consistent, you know, maintain that consistency, making threes. Kayvon Allen's starting to come on a little bit. We can get some help from uh, from other guys on the perimeter. You know, maybe this offense will start shaping up a little bit better. But Chris Chioza certainly has a handle on that point guard position right now. Johnny Bruno is a guy who's given Florida a real presence inside. We talked to him earlier in the podcast. He's a quiet guy off the court. On the court, he's very loud with these thunderous throwdowns. And when you're struggling to put the ball in the hole as a team, it's pretty nice to have a guy who can just put it in that easily for you. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, I think he's around 27 or 28 dunks for the season, which is easily the most on this team. Um, you know, uh, against Florida State, Adam, Johnny Bruno took three shots and you know, the Gators end up losing by two points at the end of the game. He definitely needs to be more involved and get him. I don't know that the offense necessarily has to go through him like maybe it should go through Dorian Finney-Smith, but he needs to be more involved. The ball needs to go to him, and, and maybe he can kick it out, and maybe that that will really help uh, uh, some, some things on the perimeter to, to, to develop. But even he praised uh, Johnny Bunu after his, his game against Georgia where he had 12 points and 12 rebounds. I believe it was his third double-double of, of the season. His success in that game was attributed a lot to the fact that Florida was hitting shots from outside and opened things up for him more. But he's getting so much better at posting guys up and getting aggressive. And, and even, I hate to say this about him, but even with a little shoulder here, maybe finessing his way in and then getting physical on people. And I tell you what, he has thrown down some major league dunks on some people so far. And as he gets a little more comfortable, as Florida gets him more and more involved in the half-court offense, and he's awfully good in transition, too. The guy can really move for a guy who's 6'11", 255 pounds. He has a real chance to be a force. He's not there yet. And Mike White will always say he's just scratching the surface of, of how good he can be. But he's, he's getting better. And the more he's involved in the offense, obviously, the more productive he's going to be. This weekend, Florida welcomes LSU into the Odom. They just snapped Kentucky's 22-game SEC win streak. So they come in with a lot of momentum. And they've got arguably the best player in the country in Ben Simmons. Well, <laughs> the guy is like almost a walking triple-double. I mean, you show up at LSU with being labeled as the next LeBron James, and he's really done absolutely nothing to take away from that label. I mean, everyone knows he's going to be the first pick in the draft. LSU got out of the gate kind of slow. They had some players that weren't playing. Hornsby, their great three-point shooter, is a, is a guy who just joined the team. I think his first game back, he had 36 points in a loss at Houston, I believe. But I tell you what, Simmons can basically do whatever he wants. And as I said near praising Kayvon Allen, the sixth freshman in Florida history to score 30 points, well, Simmons is certainly capable of rolling into the O'Connell Center and getting 40. And he's long, he's 6'10", he's 14 rebounds a game, scoring 22 points a game. The guy is an absolute animal. And I tell you what, this is a really good thing for the University of Florida, for their fan base, to have a guy like like that checking in because it's entirely possible that LSU wouldn't come here this year and here comes Ben Simmons and here's a chance for fans to go in and see the probably uh, one of the next great players in the NBA. As the calendar turned to the colder days of 2015, the women's basketball team just kept getting hotter. A season opening loss at Temple was followed by a 12 game winning streak to close out 2015. And now Amanda Butler's team is hoping to take the SEC by storm and subvert expectations. Redshirt senior guard Carly Needles has been called the heart and soul of the team, and we asked the captain how the squad reacted to being picked near the bottom of the preseason poll. Well, we came into practice, and Coach Butler put up the projector and had, as the board went up, it went from top to bottom. So South Carolina was on the bottom, and then as the projector went up, 
you still couldn't see Florida. And we were all the way at the top, number 12. Our initial reaction was disappointment, you know, like how can we be 12th when we don't see ourselves as 12? So it was just motivation for us. She did that right before practice just to fire us up, you know. So it worked. It's still in the locker room, and we see it every single day. So to go from that to then winning 12 straight games to end 2015, what do you think led to such a successful run for you guys? We play together, and we play really hard in practice. A lot of what we do in practice, we execute in the games, which is you know twofold because we start practice really slow, and we've been starting games really slow as well, but we finish practice really great, and we've been finishing games really good. So it's going both ways. There's still things we need to work on in practice, but I feel like we've instilled a lot of confidence in each other just by working so hard together in practice. You mentioned slow starts. What do you think that can be attributed to, and how is that something you can improve going forward? You know, when you win more than a couple games in a row, you start to be complacent, and you just think, okay, well, we know we're going to do better in the second half because we've been doing that. And now that we're in the SEC, we know we can't do that anymore. We're not going to get away with starting slow. Any team in the SEC is going to take advantage of that, and we'll dig ourselves too big of a hole, which is really what we did in Mississippi State. You won a tournament over Thanksgiving in Colorado near your hometown, and then you win the Christmas tournament as well at home. How important was that? experience of winning those tournaments as you move forward through the season. Yeah, we always talk about being a championship team, and in order to be a championship team, you have to experience that. So when we went into the Colorado tournament, we knew that we were playing for a championship, which was huge. We prepared like that. We prepared like champions. And so winning the tournament and just having that feeling, it boosted our confidence. And then going into our own tournament, we played two really good teams. And just knowing that we can beat teams and play back-to-back games like that, because that's what it's going to be like in the NCAA tournament. You have quick turnarounds, and you have to beat really good teams, and your bodies might not feel as great. So really just having that experience and then the confidence knowing that you can go into those games and and win. Coach Butler calls you the heart and soul of this team. What does that mean to you and what responsibility does that then give you? I don't really take it as like a, a burden. I love that. I love being the heart and soul and I love having all the energy every single day. But really my team has just, if you can't be that type of leader with no followers that want, that want to receive that. You know what I mean? And we've had this whole team has just been been so receptive from everything that the coaches have given us, what I've given them, and it makes it easier to be the heart and soul of a team, if that's what you want to call it, if you have people that want to be that way with you. you know. So I love my team for how they let me be as a leader. There have been a lot of changes this year, and first and foremost, the new coaching staff. What has that done? What have they brought to the table that you've seen through two months of the season now? Bill and Shimmy are great additions to our team. They are two people that don't let anyone off the hook. They don't take any play for granted, and they love being here. Bill was a Gator, and so he has a lot of pride for the school and a lot of energy and a lot of heart and just loves us to death. And we want to play for him. We want to play hard for him because he works hard for us. And Shimmy is just such a positive leader. She's a great recruiter, and she keeps it real. You know, she tells you how it is. And if it's not positive, she always comes back with something positive, like, hey, win the day. We didn't win it today, but we're going to win tomorrow and you know just stuff like that always having that positive reinforcement two completely different coaches but they both have the same mentality and they want to do what it takes to win and we need that we needed that and I think coach Butler needs that as well and they hold everyone accountable and I think our coaching staff has just grown to be a better group altogether. You all set of three newcomers this year in Ty, Eliana, and Simone talk about the way that they've ingratiated themselves into the team and the impact that they've made. I am so grateful for the three new people that have came in this year. They've all made a huge impact for us. Eliana, being a freshman, comes in 
from Greece but has been playing professionally for a while and she knows a lot about the game. She has great basketball IQ. She's a playmaker and we needed that. And Ty obviously gives us some height inside the paint, which is huge for us. Her timing is impeccable. How many blocks she gets in the paint is just amazing and so fun to watch. Like she gives me that confidence that if I do get beat, she's there to help me. And I love that about her. And um Simone, Simone is just a hard worker. She has quick hands, she's a great defender and you know, she can handle the ball for us, and which is awesome because in the SEC, if they try to take away a point guard, that's fine because we have two other people on the floor that can take care of the ball with Eliana and Simone. So all three of them bring three completely different things, but they've really added so much depth to our program, and I'm just so excited to see what they do the rest of this year and next year and continuing on because I know that they'll probably still play after school. You've been to the SEC three times now, even four times in the year that you weren't playing. You're part of this big senior class. You guys have a lot of experience in these situations. What do you know about being in the SEC that's going to help you through it this time around? We know it's going to be a battle, and that's something that I had to keep reiterating to our team when we you know, won 10 in a row, 11 in a row. I was like, this is great, you guys, but we need to get better. There's things that we're doing that we're not going to get away with in the SEC, and just knowing that every single game is a dogfight is really important that we keep telling our team that. You can't get comfortable. You can't get complacent. Being here for four years already, I know that anything can happen any night, no matter if it's a number eight team in the country or not ranked at all. Anyone can win, and it's who wants it more. And I think that's something that we just have to keep telling the teams, who wants it more? We need to do more. We need to be more. And even though we were ranked 12th, I know from experience two years ago, I mean, we were we were ranked 12th in the SEC, and we ended up finishing fifth in the SEC. So, again, you, just, you never know what's going to happen. And as long as you work harder than your opponent, it's going to be a good one. It's tough to play at places like Tennessee, one of the great venues in all of women's college basketball. What do you take into a game like that to get confidence and come out with a positive result? First of all, you play for games like these. You know, I, I grew up watching the Gators play in this arena, and so it's just awesome to be able to have this experience and play out there. You can't think of it as this huge game and the sea of orange that they have in there. If you go in with that, it's a little intimidating. You know, you have to go in there and just thinking about what we do, what our game plan is, and just be confident in what we've prepared in. You have to echo calls. We talked about that in practice. Uh, it's loud. You got to communicate. The little things that people talk about to win a game is impeccable in this game, especially on the road. I mean, it's a hostile environment. But um, like I said, you know, you can't be like, oh, we're playing at Tennessee, this huge arena. We're the Gators. We're here. We, we know what we need to do. We know what we practiced, and we're confident in that, and we just have to go in there and play our game, and hopefully at the end of the day, it's, it's enough to, to beat a good team. For you personally, you've been climbing up the charts for a while now at Florida in terms of threes made in a career. As you get into the top five now, some of the names that you're passing, what does it mean to be leaving that legacy that you are personally on the University of Florida? It's good to have any statistic with your name on it, but to me that's not something I really look at. I honestly don't even know where I am at in the rankings at all. I just... I care that we win. I care that we win our first SEC tournament and any sort of championship. Like, I care about the team accolades. It's because of my teammates that I hit those threes that I get those open looks. So I really appreciate them looking for me and having that more confidence in me than I do in myself sometimes. But, you know, if me making those threes gets us to a championship, then I'm all about it. But I really just care about the W at the end of the day. And that's going to do it for today's show. Make sure to check out all the Gator basketball action this weekend, including diaper dandy Ben Simmons and the LSU Tigers coming to the O-Dome for a 1.30 tip Saturday on CBS and the Gator IMG Sports Network. Our next podcast will be available next Thursday and will include a look at the three-time defending national champion gymnastics team. So make sure to subscribe to Gator Tales on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher so you never miss an episode. Until then, I'm Adam Schick, and I'll see you in the O-Dome.